Welcome to Publish Me, a podcast produced by AS21 Publishing, looking at a, the production of the book The Will of the Magi, here by an independent publishing company. I'm your host, Keith F. Shovlin, Executive Officer and Chief Creative of AS21 Publishing, and with me is... Paul Dickinson Russell, the author of The Will of the Magi. So this is our third official episode. This is the chapter one of the Publish Me podcast. Now, just to get started out, now, if you want to reach us, we are on Facebook, facebook.com slash publishpodcast, on Twitter, at publishpodcast, and our home on the web is media.as21.com, where you can access all of our episodes, and plus other links about us and uh, other ways to contact us. And, uh, if you want to email us, you can email AS21 directly, pub at as21.com. So now first to start off uh, this month's episode, I'm going to hand it over to Paul, and Paul can give us an update on where he is on the writing of The Will of the Magi. All right, thank you so much, Keith. So right about right now, I am just under 50,000 words right now into the storyline. Those of you who listened last month, I was around... 32,000 or so. So I've written an additional 18,000 words over the last month. For those of you keeping a page count, that is, you know, for my writing, you know, I write single space, all those kind of wonderful things. So it's about 30 pages that way. Double spaced and formatted, about 60 pages, you know, give or take, you know, a few here or there. That's about where I am right now. I'm getting into some of the really, really fun political and geographic aspects of um, my storyline with my character, dealing with interplays with the politics and the nobility and the merchant classes of his capital city of the kingdom empire that he resides in. All right, just to give you an idea, so that's 50,000 words you're up to. The entire Lord of the Rings trilogy had over 450,000 words. So I think, yeah, Fellowship of the Ring, just over 150,000, Two Towers. And Return of the King was actually the shortest of the trilogy at just 150,000 words. So if you're going for Tolkien levels, you're a third of the way there. (laughs) Excellent. I'm almost there. (laughs) So just to kind of start off, uh, just a little bit of back-and-forth conversation before we really get into the meat of this month's episode, where uh, Chapter 1, of course, if you were listening last month, this episode we're going to be talking, Paul's going to be talking more about the characters, the individual characters in his story. But first, I just share some more information about us. Uh, Now, of course, I'm thankful for all the uh, input I've gotten over the past couple months on the podcast, and an excellent uh, email from a friend last month that helped guide us as we're moving towards this one. Feedback was a little bit less this month, but still got, got a lot of insight. So I just wanted to talk back and forth. Uh, now, I listen to a number of podcasts, and they inspire me on you know, how to produce this, what kind of things to bring up, how, and how to also engage with the people that are listening. So I just want to talk... Paul, do you listen to any podcasts? I listen to a couple podcasts, um, although they're more specifically on a history bend. And I listen to them, one, because of I have a fascination and a love of history, but I also listen to them because they give me 
uh, a lot of ideas for my stories in order to build the historical background and political background and underground for all the stories I work with. Right. You can go ahead and name check them. It's all right. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the name right now for the main one I look at, uh, the main one I listen to. It's, uh, it, you know, managed to completely evade my brain at the moment, sadly. <laughs> oh, sorry, I put, uh, I should put have you on the spot there with that. Uh, okay, while you're thinking of it, I, lis- I listen right. to about a dozen different podcasts throughout the week. Some are weekly, some are monthly, some are whenever the person is able to put an episode together. Like uh, History-wise, uh, Dan Carlin puts out a couple great podcasts, but there's one. the one I listen to of his is called Hardcore History, and it comes out every three or four months. <laughs> there you go. That's oh, you listen to Hardcore History as well. Yeah, uh, Dan Carlin's Hardcore History um, and Common okay. Sense podcasts. I listen, to, I you know, I listen to his stuff religiously at this point. Um, I've listened to his Ancient History um, podcast and his podcast on the World War II Nazi invasion of Russia, the Soviet Union. I've listened to each, all of them multiple times, and through him, I've actually gotten books on those subjects, so I could. Further the research for my own ends. Yeah, I uh, his are his can be three and a half to four hours long, and like, but like I said, he only puts them out every couple months. But they are really intense with the historical background. Now, it's funny is a lot of the times the podcasts I listen to is like I'll listen to one, and then the person hosting will talk about what they're listening to. In fact, I started listening to Hardcore History because Rich Brooks of the Marketing Agents podcast mentioned it. And, you know, I'm a history buff, but I hadn't, I actually didn't have any history podcasts currently. I had been listening to one on the War of 1812, but it seemed to just screech to a halt after the fourth episode, which was really disappointing. It was being recorded back around the Bicentennial, and I, I don't know what happened, whether they couldn't keep it going or what but uh regularly i listen to the nerdist podcast which comes out at least three times a week and they're usually about an hour long uh there's aisha tyler's wonderful uh interview podcast girl on guy uh marketing agents rich brooks is one of the business podcasts i listen to as well as a new one i just started listening to uh called the one day business breakthrough with uh chris drucker and pat flynn who are two business entrepreneurs that i met at the uh, Agents of Change conference in Portland, Maine, uh, last September, they, that's the conference hosted by Rich Brooks of the Marketing Agents. So I got to see them speak, and then got to meet them, talk to them afterwards, and you know, just they're very free flowing with advice. And that that podcast is just like fifteen, twenty minutes a week. And it's just very helpful with tips for businesses. Other podcasts I listen to is uh, I'm a hockey fan, so I listen to the Puck Podcast every week with uh, to keep up with all going on in the National Hockey League. Like I'm an old school cartoon fan, so I listen to Talking Tunes with Rob Paulson, who's the voice of many a favorite cartoon character growing up, whether it be Raphael from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or Pinky from Pinky and the Brain. I think what else I listen to. There's some podcasts that come and go, like I'm in genealogy. So there's the Genealogy Gems podcast by uh, Lisa Louise Cook. Uh, I listen to her regular podcast and her premium one. 
I used to listen to a lot of podcasts from a local radio station in Pittsburgh, but they don't broadcast as much as they used to. That pretty much covers what I listen to most of the time during the week. You know, I get you know get through Nerdist, Aisha, Puck Podcasts. It's it all it's all pretty filling during my work time and during the week. In fact, it can be a little bit too distracting because like you start listening to some of those shows and you're either get in, intensely into the discussions or you know they're t- you know you're learning something and you want to stop and look things up in line so it could be a bit distracting when i'm trying to work but still find it entertaining all right so now uh, i'm go to the real heart of our discussion today uh paul is going to talk about the characters for his book how deep are you going to go on the character roster is it just going to be the main characters or i think right now the characters i'm going to talk about are Actually, the characters that I've really written about up until this point in my story. Okay. So, the main character, of course, you know, he shows up. He's the very first character mentioned as my main character. The very first word of my story is his name. So, my main character, his name is Aiden. In this story, he is a teenage... And the story starts off, he's a teenage boy. He is born to a peasant village you know if you picture any essentially any frontier town from any fantasy story that is a very good image for most readers to understand where he was born he lives with his father um at the point the story starts off his mother is not around she comes into the story later on uh which you know throws some monkey wrenches into everyone's day when she shows up. His father is a Fletcher. For those of you who don't know what a Fletcher is, that is someone in a village who makes arrows. You know, they, you know, he is in charge. You know, he is, his main skill in life is putting together the arrows for everyone in the village. Um, to all the huntsmen and, you know, anyone else who has to deal with that in terms of protecting the village. Again, the huntsmen for going out and hunting the young children for practicing uh, their, that skill. As a frontier town, you know, most of their meat product does come from that. So uh, that does come into play with Aiden's father. Again, the mother, you know, she has not been there at all. Uh, but I won't, beyond mentioning that, the role that she plays does come in very, come in importantly when she does show up into the story. So, I'll leave that for my readers to discover later on. Other characters that you get to meet early on, for those of you who have an interest in where my names come from, the names of all of my villagers are Gaelic names. The reason I chose Gaelic names for the initial village is A, I love Gaelic names. Uh, They're absolutely fascinating to me. And also because the Gaelic culture best suited my needs and requirements for the, these, you know, peasant communities as I developed this culture. However, the, the only the peasants have Gaelic names. So as you read and go through my story, Trying to figure out who is what in the society is very important based upon their naming history. I will, you know, I'm not going to reveal the names of the nobles that I'm going to be coming up with in the story, 
but the noble classes are going to be having Slavic names, which some people are going to be wondering about that because, you know, Slavic names don't tend to come up as much. A couple of examples of some Slavic names I have been researching. You have Katarina is uh, a version of it. Now, of course, my ability to pronounce these names is going to be horrendous. But, you know, these are some of the female names I have, you know, on my roster for the Slavic names. Uh, I'll be getting back to my main, my characters I've come up with in a moment. So I have Katarina, I have Viana, I have Irina, I have Janka. Uh, for those of you listening who actually are from these areas who have heard these and you are wondering at my accent, I just do that naturally. I apologize. So those are some of the Slavic names I've looked up for some of the female noble characters. Back to the characters that you meet up with. So you've met with Aiden. Uh, he is my main character. His father's name is Lenan. L-E-N-N-A-N is how you spell that. It actually means lover and concubine is essentially the meaning of that name, which comes in handy later on in the story. The names are specifically chosen uh, because of the meaning behind them in terms of the Gaelic name. As I research the Slavic names, I will probably be, you know, continuing in that vein. But names for me carry a great deal of importance, both personally and also for a way of identifying key character traits or um, aspects of each of my characters. All right, so Aiden, main character's name, his name means fire. That's going to come in handy. His father, Lenan, lover, concubine. Okay. One of the other main characters that you're going to meet up until this point, um, he's a main character because he is a prominent member of the village. I am going to butcher this name. So for those of you who actually know how to pronounce this name, please forgive me if you have this name. I, again, I apologize. This is the name of the village blacksmith. His name is Arzur. A-R-Z-H-U-R. That's our village blacksmith. He, the name itself, I will have to, everyone will have to apologize. I'll bring this one back up for next month's one as a quick note, but I appear to have a quite horrendous handwriting right now, so my notes are absolutely terrible. So I apologize for that. So those are uh, some of the main three characters in the story. You know, I do have a number of other named villagers that you meet as you go throughout the story. You also have wise women in the village. The, there is a great deal of strength in my characters as, we, as I develop them. One thing I have found is peasants, as I, I try to create them as, as, as three-dimensional as any author can, because of the simple fact that the peasants in my stories are living in their own bubble world, I should say, that is in touch with harsher realities. And so I try to keep that as part of what's going on with my villagers. I, my female villagers are fiercely independent women. The reason for this is quite simply because I do have... Uh, this is a fantasy story, so I do have several of the classic fantasy races here. Of course, the one that everyone tends to hear about are goblins. You know, we mentioned Lord of the Rings earlier. There are goblins there. There are orcs there. And, you know, the Mines of Moria being a very wonderful scene from the movies and from the books, from the first one with goblins. For those of you picturing those goblins, those are not the, that's not the image I want you to have of my goblins. Those are just the term I have for them. 
But going back to my characters, they're they live on the border of the empire that they the empire the kingdom that they all are a part of, and you know they you know this village has been there for generations, so everyone in the village knows that they have tasks they have to do to keep everyone functioning and everyone alive. So part of my character development is making sure that my characters are all strong enough to deal with those kind of hardships. One of the scenes I wrote recently that displays these hardships was a, a, a raid on the village. And so you get to deal with the wise women whose names are Maho, Miriana, and Reina. Again, you know, I apologize if I seem to have some kind of accent. I don't really know why I do that again, but I just tend to do it. Uh, those are my three village wise women. Picture really, really old, you know, wrinkled ladies who, you know, have that classic, when they grab your arm and they pull you, you either can go with them or have your arm pulled off. This is the kind of image I, I have for these three women. But at the same time, these are important women in the village. They know their duty to the village. So what happens when a section of the wall gets broken through and there's no one there to stop things, you know, stop this attack from coming through? What do these three women do? Well, classic answer, that hole has to get filled, so they all fill it with their cells, and they start killing things that come through it. So, for those of you who are picture, you know, for those of you who have your grandmother nearby, picture your little old grandmother killing goblins with a sword or with a club, and you'll have a very good idea about what that scene looks like. So, that's the kind of strength I am imparting into my peasants. So, you have a very strong idea about the strength of character that I have in the poorest people, in the most downtrodden people in my kingdom. As you read my story, you will then get to deal with my merchants, my soldiers, and my nobility, all of whom have other very, very distinct characteristics. The soldiers aren't a aren't ascent are essentially a class apart from everyone else, even though soldiers come from all three separate classes. The soldiers are the one group of people who you're truly going to have a mixture of the names. You're going to have you know, lots of these Gaelic names from people who you know, have worked their way out of the village, you know, try to find adventure, the classic uh, role there. You will have downtrodden nobles, you'll have some merchants, but they will be their own set, and you'll get to meet some of these soldiers later on. The merchants will be of their own group, and then you have the nobility, who I mentioned earlier, having the Slavic names. And each of those will then be pertaining to other kinds of personality types and strength types, or a lack thereof. One other character that a lot of uh, readers, I think, are going to hopefully enjoy is going to be two characters who, as of the point where my uh, Aiden meets them and they leave the storyline in terms of interacting with Aiden up until this point are, they actually don't have names yet. Um, Aiden, it, Aiden meets a pair of Magi from the college who basically are there to, you know, for those of you who are 
writing. They are, you know, into writing. They are the prop element to get him to move on with what he has to do with his with his story. Or, you know, is a really good way of putting it. As of this point, to Aiden and to the reader, they don't have names yet. Anyone familiar with a good storyline, names have a lot of power. If you don't know someone's name, they you don't have power over them. And that's something that I tend to use a lot. You know, if my characters don't want someone to know their name, they're not going to tell their name. And they're going to make it very clear that you can do whatever you want. You're not going to get my name. So those are some of the main characters that you got to deal with up until this point. A very key aspect for me, you know, some people may ask why go along with this way, discuss these characters. I personally, characters come to me, you know, as I write them. Some of these characters I already have fully fleshed out. Some of them haven't gotten their names yet because the names aren't important for that specific character. I have a list of, you know, a number of characters. I've introduced some of them. I have not introduced all of them to you. The important characters, they all have their names right now. Everyone else, they'll get their names as we go along. Everyone else at this point, these are all great characters, I think. You know, they're all extensions of myself. Again, the good writer, I think, has, you know, or extensions of people I know. So those are some of the characters I have. I think uh, another good character I think people are going like, to like are Ongus. A-O-N-G-H-U-S. He's my village priest, my village cleric. Wonderful, enlightened, elderly gentleman. For those of you wondering, you know, what are we talking about in terms of ages here? The character I just named, my cleric, he's about mm, late 60s or so if you're going to go with that kind of age range. My blacksmith and Aiden's father are about late 30s, early 40s. Aiden himself is early, mid-teens, about 14, 15. Uh, my village wise women, no one ever knows how old a village wise woman is. They are always ancient, ancient women who are so decrepit that they shouldn't be standing alive, but they still are. I know, per- personally, I... Nor yep. is it polite to ask how old they are. Was it? Nor is it polite to ask. <laughs> no, it is no, it's not polite to ask. If you ask these women how old they are, they are going to beat you senseless. I personally know how old they are, but you are not going to get these women's ages out of them no matter what. I don't care if you give them wine and chocolate. You're not going to figure out how old these women are. And that's just, you know, the kind of crotch of the old women that they are. And, you know, it's a measure of respect that people know they're old, but the fact is they're also still border women. And that scene I described, you know, there's a hole in the wall. So who's going to fill it? These three women until someone else can do so, you know, and they hold it. You know, I will, I will do a small spoiler. They don't die from that because what happens to women like that when they get older, they get tough. You know, women who throw themselves into that scene. These are not women who've done it for the first time. These are women who's, main job in the village when it comes to this is to do that. Women in these border communities know that there are two options for them. They can hide and die when their menfolk die, or they can fight when their menfolk are fighting and hopefully keep the menfolk alive and keep themselves alive at the same time. They're not going to, you know, they're not going to stand on the front lines. You know, that's not their job. They have you know, everyone has their own tasks to do, and in this village, 
these women, these older women, their job is not frontline combat. They're not old, they're not spry enough for that. But my picture of these older women and you know the picture I want all my readers to have are shock troops. These are those hardened veterans who you throw them into the fight, they're going to finish it quickly because they're old and they don't want to be fighting all day. That's the image I want people having when they come to these three older women and to the other women that they operate with. So, Keith, do you have any specific questions about any of my characters after my little ramble right there? <laughs> no, I mean, you you pretty well covered it. Uh, any questions that I might have, uh, hopefully any of our listeners, any, it also helps answer any questions they might have as they really get a taste of what your story is and because the, these characters are all going to be important, not only to the story, but also to the reader. I and mean, you're expected to connect with these characters on a deep, personal level at times. And you can, in some cases, see yourself in the place of these characters. So for for anyone that's following along with us, listening to this podcast, and then are going to hopefully journey with us to when the book is printed or and it's out there and available, we'll be able to read that. And now they have an idea of what they can expect and hopefully, if they want more insight, they can come back to the podcast and go, oh, okay. It's, you know, just a little bit more background on them. Either way, it's a, it's a good introduction to these, well, I imagine they're going to be some very rich, very colorful characters, as is expected of any fantasy book. Got to have your share of color. Oh, yeah. So, before we close out here, and this, the, this is... Of course, the April 2015 episode. Just a few things coming up. Of course, this is going out on April 7th. If you like this AS21, we also offer a poetry podcast called Passion on the Page. It comes out every three weeks. The next episode will be coming out on Monday, April 13th, featuring AS21 poet uh, Dr. Deepan Chatterjee. Uh, I'll be reading a poem from his book, The First Prophetical, which actually goes for sale on the next day, Tuesday, April 14th. Also that week, we'll be putting out our the next entry in our creative speaking author video interview series on our uh, YouTube channel. On the 21st of April, I'll be doing my monthly webcast, the Ask Ace 21 on the 21st, where people are welcome to write in on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, basically every social media thing. We have a some sort of entry on there, and you can reach out to us and ask any questions about publishing, writing, marketing, promoting, and I'm there to answer. I usually start off with a talk about some something different each month, like last month. I had just gotten home from the Virginia Festival of the Books, so I was talking about book fairs. The past episodes are kept on our YouTube channel, so you can go and uh, watch those and see me talk. And haven't had any questions coming in yet, but I'm going to keep going, keep doing that until people start showing up. And then I'll disappear. No, no that wouldn't work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also coming up this month, the... International Day of the Book Festival in Kensington, Maryland is coming up on Sunday, April 26th in Kensington, just north of Washington, D.C. And AS21 will be there in full force. We have a full table and many of our authors will be coming out during the day, uh, sign copies of their books, talk to people about their writing, their writing process, and all of those things. We'll be publishing a schedule of what authors will be available and when once we get a little bit closer to the day. And 
Now, just after next month's episode airs, our next episode will come out May 7th. May 8th is actually the first birthday of AS21 Publishing. (laughs) (laughs) We, We kind of got started in late 2013, but after a successful Kickstarter, we officially registered with the Commonwealth of Virginia and officially launched May 8th of 2014. So May 8th will be our first birthday. Right now we are planning a sort sort of get-together, a birthday party celebration, and we'll have a ton of big announcements to make that day, including the rollout of the brand new AS21.com. We partnered with Squarespace and have got a brand new website, and it is absolutely beautiful. We have been working with Google Sites for the past year and the time before that now we're actually moving over to a more professional platform everything will be transferred over we'll have individual author pages we have a new and improved as21 market uh the previous market was powered by paypal now with the partnership with squarespace we'll be using stripe but you'll be able to still purchase all of our great as21 titles as well as products and services directly through the new website and it affords us so many more opportunities to bring great content to you, the readers and listeners out there. Hopefully, uh, if you can, you'll join us for our birthday party. We'll pray. We will be doing a live webcast. For those that can't make it in person, they can join on on the webcast. Uh, that don't have all the details worked out yet, but I'm hoping to... If you visit as21.com or facebook.com slash as21 or even, even on the Facebook page for the Publish Me podcast we'll put some information on there as well so any party messages from you Paul? I hope everyone's enjoying this apart from that I look forward to letting everyone know how the story is coming along on our next podcast and if anyone has any questions for me about my writing about my story Please feel free to comment on our Twitter account. Please feel free to comment on our Facebook page, and I will respond you know, as soon as I possibly can to it. And those addresses, again, facebook.com slash publishpodcast, and Twitter, at publishpodcast. Usually when you see posts on there, I know on Facebook it actually puts our names on the posts sometimes. Twitter, we'll, we'll, put, we'll sign them when it's us individually posting on there. Those are some of the best ways to reach us, as, all, as well as email at pub at as21.com. And make sure you check out our website, media.as21.com. And, of course, this podcast is, is hosted by Podomatic. And so you can visit as21.podomatic.com to see all past episodes. Keep listening, and we'll hopefully, when all is finished, not only will you have this podcast to listen to that we hope is enjoyable, but also you'll have Paul's wonderful story, which should stand the test of time of being enjoyable for all ages. I'm not setting the bar too high there, am I? <laughs> uh, no, not okay. too high. Okay. <laughs> Of course, uh, you may have noticed, for if you listened to last month, we didn't take a uh, sponsor break in the middle of this episode. Uh, we not doing a full sponsored th- this episode, but if you are interested in sponsoring the podcast, just email us at pub at as21.com. We have a couple different sponsorship packages available and industry standard rate supply. You know, send us a message and uh, we'll talk. And if I feel you're a good fit as a sponsor for the podcast, obviously we want things that are, are organizations that kind of fit 
our audience and what we're trying to talk about here. And, and of course, we want to keep this free to the uh, listening public. We don't want to have this be a subscription rate, or we're not requiring you to go on Patreon or any of the other sites. We're not going to ask you to do that. When, of course, uh, Paul's book is ready to go through the editing process, we are going to be launching our PubSlush crowdfunding campaign to help fund the first print run and some of the other costs that come with uh, publishing uh, Paul's book. We're still a few months away from that. We want to give Paul as much time as necessary to do his writing. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Really appreciate it. (laughs) But he's at 50,000 words, so obviously he's already put a lot of effort into it. And you heard some great information today about his characters and his story. So hopefully you'll come back and we'll, we'll be here next month. Next month's episode, Chapter 2, we'll officially be discussing uh, the rules of the land, of Aiden's land and in the fantasy land that is the home of the Will of the Magi. Any fantasy novel has to have a clear set of rules and hopefully they stick to them. Yes, yes. The sticking to the rules is always a yes. <laughs> requirement that we have to consider. <laughs> All right, well, thank you very much, and uh, until next time. Have a good one. Copyright 2015, AS21 Publishing, LLC. All rights reserved. AS21 Publishing. What do you want your book to be?